Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. So glad that you joined me today. I'm looking forward, as I always am, to our time together. I love Mondays, and it's going to be a great show. Patrick Albanese is going to be joining me in just a minute. This is his first time on the program since we've had the time change, so hopefully he'll uh, be adjusting accordingly. And then um, Monday Afternoon Mix will happen after that with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. And then Gregory Wrightstone will be with me for the full hour uh, starting uh, after that. So it's going to be a great show. I'm in Habakkuk, chapter 3, verse 19. It says, The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. I love that. I I see deer all the time in my neighborhood, and I wouldn't mind having their feet. They're good jumpers, and they can move quickly. So uh, Patrick is uh, not only a friend and a colleague, but uh, he's been a regular guest on the show for uh, really since I started. And I always think come Mondays, we need to start the week on a little bit of a light note. And he's a comedian and a uh, magician. And he's also uh, was manager of the Magic Castle in Los Angeles, uh, Hollywood for about six years. And he has uh, performed there uh, more than probably anyone in existence. So... He's my guest uh, now. Patrick, welcome. Wait, wait, wait. no intro music? (laughs) You having a hard time getting the new time slot off the ground? (laughs) Well, one of the things we did is we eliminated that one-minute break. So we don't have that minute break anymore. So we go right into the guest for timing reasons. So when we come back after our break, you'll hear your your own walk-up music. No, I'll have to uh, prepare for that because that one-minute break, uh, you know how you have the... uh, the (laughs) The, the baseball batter, he's swinging the donut. Right. He's got the heavy weight put on the bat. He's, he's in the is in the the, the batter circle. circle. Yeah, beyond deck circle, getting ready, and uh, you, you know, so I am completely unwarmed up. This I could pull a muscle here. <laughs> I am concerned. Yeah, well, you you need to be careful. So is I it, like this time though, right there, you know, between your what your late afternoon nap and your early evening nap? Is yeah, that how this... well, I fit in perfect, so I shouldn't be disrupting anybody's naps right now. This is, I, th- I think this is perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I like it a lot, and uh, it got me in from, because it's hot out, I've been working, what if I've been working three days on this bay window I have, trying to remove 35 years worth of paint, and uh, yeah, I mean, I finally have gotten good at it, so if you, if you need help with a similar project like that, let me know, and uh, I will unfriend you. Right away. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Did you know what you were getting into with a project of that size? No. Yeah. Uh, and anyone who knows me knows uh, one of my mantras is uh, the thing that gets me into the most trouble is how hard could that be? You've been saying that. Since, be? You've been saying that since you were 13, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You know, uh, it just uh, kind of uh, I, I, I've sort of morphed it into I have this phrase that I say to myself. The secret to winning is beginning, you know. So, uh, I, I that's my little pep talk when I'm looking at a project. It's like, don't think about how hard it's going to be. Don't think about the mistakes that you're going to probably make, and don't think about the surprises you'll encounter. Just start because if yeah. you start, you finish. Yeah. 
And uh, so the secret to winning is beginning. How hard could it be? Harder than you thought. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go back to a little of your mother's wisdom, because when, you know, you were one of eight kids. Far as I know. Far as you know. There were so many of us on the last count, yes. Yeah. And, you know, when, when you've got eight kids, not everybody gets everything they want, hardly ever. So... When yeah. you were learning magic and you wanted to go buy tricks, your mom would say, why don't you just build it? And you go, yeah, well, that's the last yeah. thing I want to try to do is try to build it. I want to go to the store and buy it. It's got yeah. the nice paint and the dragons on it, and I can... It's got the whole thing, and, <laughs> and she also drew the line at, and this is, I'm serious about this. I, I once talked to her and said, what do you think about me picking up a cougar? <laughs> You know, for the act. <laughs> because I had found a place in Wisconsin where you could buy a cougar cub for a few hundred dollars. And she said, have you lost your mind? <laughs> what, what happened to those birds in the basement? I said, I have birds in the basement? She said, you better go check. <laughs> I actually did have birds in the basement. And I, I did such a terrible job of taking care of them. Uh, one night I woke up in a cold sweat. I said, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. The birds. I haven't. I've neglected them. I haven't fed those doves. Uh, they're not going to be alive when I go down there. And I don't know, it's three or four o'clock in the morning and I race down the stairs. I get down there and I have no birds. I had given them to a friend months earlier <laughs> because I just couldn't take care of them. <laughs> and uh, I thought, my gosh, I'm still having nightmares about my neglect of these birds. And I didn't really neglect them. I just, I didn't love them. Yeah. And I think if you want to be one of these magicians that has birds and cougars in your act, you better love the livestock. Yeah. But, I mean, what your mom encouraged you to do is can't you just build it? And you thought, well, I guess that is going to be my option. I love the story because you and your friend Craig went on to be uh, some of the world's greatest illusion builders out there. Yeah, my, Craig, my friend Craig is still doing it. In fact, it's it's funny. that One of the first tricks I built was this cutting a, a person in three. And you couldn't get plans to it. I had uh, I kind of figured out how it worked. But I had no idea how big to make it. But I was actually very good at math. And so I, um, I I found a photograph in a magic magazine of a magician performing the trick. He was actually just posing with it, standing next to it. And I said, all right, I'm going to scale the photograph. He's six feet tall. And then I will take the measurements from him and I'll use a ruler I'll use a, you know, with fine increments on it. And I will figure out how big to make the trick. And I scale it to this guy. Uh, and I build the trick and it works okay, but it's big. It's really big. And uh, a couple of years later, I get a look at a real one made professionally and I'm thinking, <laughs> mine is, mine dwarfs this thing. Well, uh, a few years after that, I finally meet the man who I scaled the photograph off of. And let me say, he was not six feet tall, <laughs> he was five foot five. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, there's a problem right there. Oh, I, I just said, that is why my trick dwarfed everybody else's. Yeah. I, made a, I made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, but there's a really strong biblical principle in all of this because your, your, your mom said, you know, you, you can learn to do something difficult. And I always think that in the middle of anything difficult, God shows us something pretty spectacular. I mean, you to this day are one of the finest craftsmen out there who really can do anything and I'm, I don't mean to be bragging you up today for no particular reason, but I'm I'm so proud of your ability to just literally do anything when it comes to building or shaping or designing or crafting. It's uh, pretty spectacular. 
Well, it's kind of you to say, and you know, a lot of that just comes from a, a stubbornness because uh, if people ever challenged me, and I, I don't know where this comes from, I'm sure it's rooted in low self-esteem or something <laughs> like, <that. laughs> like everything is. <laughs> like everything is, right? Right. Uh, I mean, only one man thought properly of himself, thought uh, enough of himself, and we saw what happened to him. Mm -hmm. A thousand years ago, we've learned that lesson. But uh, it, uh, it's, it, you know, a, a friend of mine, uh, you know, my friend Tina out in Pasadena, and she said, if you ever want to get Patrick to do something and work on it till the cows come home, say, I don't think you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, them are fighting words to you. Vladimir Weidmer is like, oh, oh, how dare you say something like that? But, uh, you know, that with the how hard can it be, I, I, it's, I, there's a, a little bit of stubbornness. And I don't know, it's, to me, it's, it is kind of fun. I also find, and this is something uh, I learned from my sister, who's uh, the green thumb. You know, she takes, uh, she can take a piece of plywood and turn it back into a tree. She's that good. <laughs> she is that good. But uh, she would talk about how much she loved working with plants because it would make the cares of the world go away. Interesting. And, you know, as you know, we get bombarded daily. I mean, you can't go anywhere without being reminded of, you know, things are crazy, right? Mm -hmm. And where do you go? Uh, to take your mind off of things. And um, I find if you wrap wrap it up. I think he just went away. That sounds like uh, he was going to say something interesting, and then we lost him. So we'll see if we can connect her right away. Otherwise, I think we'll take a little break. So I don't know if you're back there, Patrick, or not, but you were telling a really good story. I think we'll do is just uh, go to break. We'll reconnect with them. Patrick Albanese is my guest. Thanks for being with me today. I'll be right back. All right, we are back with Patrick Albanese. I'm not sure he's on his Skype line anymore. He might just be on the telephone. Patrick, are you there? Yeah. There you go. I am there. Yeah, not... I, I love it. Your brother is playing. Oh yeah, brother is. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. I got to get back to your story because it was it was really good yeah. talking about your sister oh. with the green thumb. Who, when you want to get away from the noise of the world, you can go outside and and just be away from it all. It's it's a good practice. Well, and I think the thing you know, it's it's almost like God wants us out there being industrious. You know, remember remember Grandma saying, you know, idle mind is the devil's playground and. Uh, as you know, all grandma wisdom comes from the book of Proverbs. All right. of it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and it's, so that's one of the reasons I do like take, you know, uh, taking on some projects. It, you know, it, it adds uh, something that I can get my mind off of. Because I'm a worry guy. You know, my mom was a master worrier. Uh, our my siblings, we sometimes we worry together in a group. We do group worry. You know, yeah. we're, we're, I don't know if you're familiar with this technique, but uh, you know it can it can get pretty um, negative sometimes because you don't worry about the positive. You just don't. You in, know. In First Corinthians uh, 15, it says, "Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord." So, yeah, I think if we can get our, our mind off of worry and back into 
uh, being steadfast and immovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. We're always better. We're always better off. I think so. Yeah. Now, it's good to have something to do, isn't it? It's, it's, uh, as I run into people, as society seems to be, you know, opening up a little bit more, and you see an awful lot of chipper, cheery faces at the, you know, home improvement stores. And the attitude is, I have something to do. I have something to work on. I'm happy to be, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, you know, industrious. Yeah. Uh, and it's amazing how that... Yeah, yeah, I think I was telling you a, a mutual friend of ours. I mean, we, I don't think I one of us has seen him in years, but he's a magician. He's out in Hawaii now, and he was he was just gushing all over Facebook. I had a job. I <laughs> right. had a gig. Yeah, I I did a show for people and everything, and uh, it's like we we do like to take whatever whatever we're good at. We like to you know we we like to ply the trade, so to speak. And he said he was a, a, a tad bit rusty, a little bit off his game, but he said to hear the sound mm-hmm. of laughter again was uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is going probably through those masks. I was just talking to a friend of mine, by the way, about the masks, and he was talking with a woman, and she, he said, he goes, I'm, I'm having a hard time breathing through mine. She says, mine's a medical mask. He says, oh, those are the worst. They're really hard to breathe through. She goes, not if you take the filter off. <laughs> <laughs> This actually happened. <laughs> yeah. The masks are a funny thing. Sometimes they look like a mask, and other times they look like a chin strap. I mean, when, when the people have the black mask, it looks like a chin strap. I think I'm in a room full of Mennonites. I just... <laughs> <laughs> I said, they're looking very Amish in here all of a sudden. It's like, oh, it's the mask. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I see a lot of the chin straps. Yeah. But, so, You've been to Hawaii? Yeah. Have you been to Hawaii? I have been. Okay. Uh, it's been a, a many, many moons. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's funny. I, I, I know it's a paradise, and it was a top. Have you been there? Uh, yes, many times. Okay. I loved it. I will go on the record and say I loved it, and then I will say I could not live there mm. because it's an island, and I don't know <laughs> what it is about islands. I realize that if you look at America properly, it's just a very big island. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I think to myself, oh, gosh, you know, six hours, six, seven-hour flight from the mainland. I don't like that. I, I knew that if I lived there, I would never see my family mm-hmm. unless they lived there, too. Right. I thought, I, I go, oh, when will I get home to see everybody? Because it's a major ordeal. Mm-hmm. So, I, 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 you know, not that I had the opportunity to go there, but it was sure beautiful. Yeah. I had uh, a pretty unusual moment once. I was there. I was 19 years old, and I was in a hotel lobby, and I saw the actor Scatman Crothers. Remember him? Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, well, there's Scatman Crothers, and I, I, I liked him. I liked his work. I went up, and I said... Mr. Crothers, I'm Bill Arnold. I just wanted to say hi and meet you and shake your hand and just tell you I admire your work. And, oh, thank you very much. He goes, what are you doing right now? He goes, what are you doing right now? I go, (laughs) I go, nothing. He goes, let's go have have lunch. (laughs) So we went and had lunch, and four hours later, I left. Wow. Yeah. So we're sitting That there, is a long lunch. That's a long lunch. So we're sitting there chatting and I'm looking out over the ocean and the mountains and the beautiful sun and 
um, just trying to spear, uh, steer the conversation into something spiritual because I figured, all right, I have a little working relationship with him now. I want to ask him about Jesus. And I, I said to him, when, when you look out and you see these beautiful mountains and ocean and sun, it, it's hard to believe that there's people in the world that don't believe in a God. And I'm looking straight ahead, and I get no answer from him. Yeah. I get no answer. I'm thinking, uh-oh. This is a very bold 19-year-old guy yeah, making, but, that, yeah. making that attempt. A That's bit. amazing. Yeah. But he had bought lunch, so I thought, fine, I'm going to go for it here. And yeah. so I don't, don't get a response from him. So I, I, about 10 seconds later, I look over, and he literally has big tears coming down his cheeks. And I, and wow. I, I, I looked at him. I said, Ooh, what, what did I say? He goes, he goes, I'm just so glad to hear that you know, you know Jesus. You know God. I go, yeah, he's the most important thing in, in, my, in my world. And he said, he said I just uh, am so glad. I just wish more and more young people uh, would come to know Jesus. And I thought, wow. that was a pretty unusual afternoon for a 19-year-old kid. And he bought lunch. And he bought lunch. And I said, uh, and I'm, making, I'm making small talk, and I'm going, so it's like December 30th. And I said, well, so what are you doing next? He goes, I'm going to Jack Nicholson's house in Las Vegas for New Year's Eve. I go, oh, yeah, I'll probably just be talking to my sisters or something. <laughs> you know, pretty standard segue for a lot of people. Before they go to a celebrity party, they have lunch with Bill Warren. <laughs> Did he ever go skibbity-dibbity? <laughs> uh, no, he didn't. He didn't. I, yeah, that's you know how hard that is to do? I still can't do it. Skibbity, skibbity, bobbity. Nah, you can't. Uh, Don't even try. But I think my point is, my point is uh, how accessible people are and how willing I think many people are to talk about God, talk about deeper life issues, to talk about things that matter. And I, I yeah. sometimes think in, in today's age, we're, we're just not sitting down and talking to each other anymore. No, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I kind of miss, you know, when social media started, you know, it was, you, you'd get the, people would share that David goes to the dentist video or I like turtles, you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and you would send those things around and say, oh, this is kidding. He says, I like turtles. And uh, we'd all have a good laugh and it's like, oh, thanks for sending me that. And now it's, you know, I you're I can't be your friend anymore, and I'm reporting you to the Facebook police. And the, it's like, what happened to um, getting along? It's, yeah. it's almost like the more opportunity we have to interact, we waste it. Yeah. Uh, and you don't you're not going to have you know. I mean, what a beautiful moment that you you know you just went to pay respect to uh, somebody. A talented person, you said, I really appreciate your talent. And the next thing you know, you're sharing God. Well, you know, you're uh, you're actually co-sharing God with each other. Right. That, that's you know, I mean, I I once had a friend call me up, and says, "What are you doing today? Or what are you doing right now?" And I said, I, "You know, I, nothing," which was a good thing to say. This was one of those guys you always say, "Nothing, I'm available." What you got? <laughs> yeah. And so he said, head on over, and I head on over, and then we leave his place, and we go and we pick up Milton Berle and take Milton Berle to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of a fun at day. The Friars. It was a fun day, so we're sitting at the Friars Club. I'm sitting with Milton Berle and my friend Matt, and people like Norm Crosby and you know all the, 
all the big time guys, the Charlie Callis type guys that you you grew up watching as right. a kid on TV. That you know, if you go, if my dad were here and could see who I'm hanging out with, right. he wouldn't believe. <laughs> well, you know, it's like we let's turn on Silverman, let's turn on you know all these TV shows. We're going, yeah, they're all here, Dad. They're here. Oh, that's funny. Uh, you know, you never know uh, what's going to happen when you say yes to an opportunity. Me getting into Triple Espresso wasn't just about getting into Triple Espresso. It's how I met you and, and Bob and Mike. And then you guys introduced me to Jesus. Yeah, and you came to faith. And that then was, you had a 68-week run in Des Moines where you met your wife, and now you're married with two kids. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all because I said, you know, uh, well, yes, I will go, you know, let's go meet with some people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, People so another, are the key, aren't they? Yeah, so in other words, uh, be ready, be available, and take risks. Okay, you know, you know what's so funny is that you say that. Many years ago when I was, uh, I just worked in restaurants, my traditional uh, goodbye, as you know, my traditional hello to people, when they'd say, how you doing, I would say, you know me, living a life other people merely dream of. Mm-hmm. I've been saying that for 30 years. What I've been saying for even longer on the goodbye was I would not say take care. I would say take chances. Mm-hmm. That was my actual goodbye to people. And they'd get a chuckle, and I'd say, no, I mean it. <laughs> I mean, not stupid things. <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> but, you know, try stuff. Yeah. Give it a whirl. Yeah. And uh, it, it's a great little mantra, I think. Yeah. One of my uh, listeners, Wingman Terry, I I have to tell you what he wrote me. He said uh, a quick story regarding your comment to Patrick uh, concerning families of large sizes and being a member of such is not always getting what you want. I think he was uh, from a family of 10, I think. Um, Only once growing up did I ever receive a brand new bike. That was for my 10th birthday. My parents bought me and bought it and gave it to me the very first day of summer vacation as a belated gift, because his birthday is in uh, December. And he said it was stunning. I was the envy of the neighborhood. And one of my older brothers begged me to use it to go to the local arcade, where it was promptly stolen. I had it less than a week. Oh, my. (laughs) Oh. We had a, my my uncle gave us a mini. We went to visit an aunt and uncle, and, and he had a mini bike, and he had this big lot. And we spent our summer vac- you know, vacation there riding this mini bike. And then uh, we had rented a Winnebago. And he said, keep it. Oh, <laughs> uh, that the did mini not, bike? That necessarily make me, uh, the mini bike. Okay. And so mom and dad, uh, you know, were not necessarily happy about <laughs> keep it. <laughs> and uh, wouldn't you know, the mini bike, for some reason, was stolen within a week from our garage where nothing had ever been stolen before. <laughs> Still a very suspicious of my parents oh. about that one. You know, when I was, in fact, I had five sisters, and one of them, I had this one sister, she used to taunt me, you know, act your age, not your shoe size. I was eight at the time, and I wore a size eight shoe. So I just don't know. I, think that, I don't think that really worked. But. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Patrick, thanks for yeah. doing the show. You, uh, you sound great in your new time slot. I love it. Yeah, I had a lot of listeners uh, alerted to the fact that uh, you weren't on last week, so glad to have you back. So it worked. Yeah, have a great night. (laughs) All right, you too, thanks. Patrick Albanese has been my guest. I'm going to take a little break and come back. David Miles will be joining me for the Monday Afternoon Mix. Miles, Arnold Maxwell, be right back.
Oh, that makes me happy. Because it's Monday. That music says it's time for the Monday afternoon mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. Hello, team. Hi, Bill. Hey, Bill. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, David. How are you? I'm doing all right. I've already said hi to Rebecca, doing? so I won't say hi to her. Yeah, but I hi, don't David. get a hi. Well, you can always say hi to That's her. That's true. I can. <laughs> you know. I can. Hi again. Hello. <laughs> nice to see Hello you. Hello to everyone out there. Yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And for all of our, our listeners, uh, David, you will share or not. Would you be willing to share with our audience just that we could be praying for your son? Is that cool? Yeah, that that would be real cool. Yeah. Um, 17 and just 17. He's in need of prayer right now. He is, my oldest son. And just kind of a... Kind of a weird thing. I was talking to a good friend, uh, texting back and forth with a good family friend uh, who's an ENT, Will Porter, uh, and he had noted this particular, like it was like a small ingrown hair mm-hmm. or something that maybe happened. Not sure if it was from his his mask that he he wears. The wrestling it, mask? No, not wrestling mask, but mask for work. Oh, mask for work. You know, gotcha. So wearing yeah, yeah. that for. For work, uh, hanging out with Chick Fil A, Jesus gotcha. Chicken, Christian oh, yeah. Chicken, we call it. That's yeah. the best. Um, and it just turned and got like infected and Aww. like a little bump and like he looked at it, but it just kind of kept going and going, and then it like spread up his jaw and he was like in pain and you know he's our he's our uh, academician you know smart guy but also loves sports and football and wrestling and stuff and you know so he doesn't complain um, but so. Went in, put him on antibiotics, uh, wasn't getting better, continued to spread, went in, tried to drain it, and that wasn't it. So after some immense pain and a fever bump, it was like, yeah, you're 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 supposed to head back mm. in. So so yeah, he's uh hi to him. He's chilling out in the pick you uh at at children's and waiting on whether they're yeah. going to do surgery tonight or tomorrow. Okay. Rebecca, would you pray? Sure. Heavenly Father, you are um, you are sovereign over this and over every situation, and we submit uh, DJ to you and to Dave and Tammy that are side by side with this in such a weird time. Um, we pray that your hand would be upon all of the doctors that are working um, in uh, DJ's case, and that the pain would be gone, would be eliminated. That you would give your um, your healing and your blessing. On this situation, we know it's going to work to your glory, but we ask, Father, that it um, that it come about quickly and in um, a miraculous way, in a way that will glorify you, and that everyone in the hospital will know how powerful and how wonderful you are, and mm-hmm. um, that DJ would be able to even praise you in the midst of of this pain, and that you'll be very near to him at this time. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, Rebecca. Yeah. Thank you, Rebecca. So, uh, DJ works at Chick Fil A. Does he ever bring he, home goodies? He, um, I'm trying to think of what some of the well, fringe we, benefits are. The additional well, fringe benefits. Of the you know, job. they get to <laughs> you know they work and they get to um, you know eat there. But okay. It, it, it was kind of becoming a little bit of a you know COVID kind of tradition on Saturdays when they got done with work that you order because you can order in if you have an app. Nice. You can order in and have it you know picked up and yeah. and. Uh, and we had to, you know, both our boys uh, work there, and so they were they were picking it up, and so giving love to Chick Fil A Brooklyn nice. Park, and nice. I. It's kind of hard because I've been like eating really well, and I I love my spicy deluxe <laughs> with pepper jack cheese and Chick Fil A, yeah. you know, sauce. Chick Fil A sauce is like so good. 
Well, and as you mentioned, it's Jesus chicken, so it's like practically a tithe has to there, eat a chick <laughs> Has there ever been a chicken that knew his grandfather? <laughs> I don't think they ever make it that long, do they? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> they, they, they typically don't. No. And, and one of the funny things that happened on the whole kind of Christian chicken is that, you know, one of our, our friends, wonderful godly guy, he's a Latino pastor named Pablo Cotron. We were talking about going out to lunch one day and people were trying to like figure out where should we go and where we eat. And all of a sudden he goes, you know, we should go to that. What is that? That, that Christian chicken place. <laughs> and everybody just started laughing. We're like, so it's kind of stuck. Oh, you know? I like it. And we're like every other follower of Jesus who loves that, who ends up going to Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. And it's like, it's closed. Yeah. Like, really? <laughs> but Truett Kathy wanted to uh, honor the Lord and honor the Sabbath. And, and so, very cool. So you never know how your witness is going to be made manifest in this world. And for some people, it's being a missionary to a far-flung location. And for some people, it's making a good chicken sandwich. It is. No, I think we're all fragile humans with limited time on this earth, like a friend of mine said to me the other day. And I thought, yeah, I got news, of course, over the weekend that Pastor Tim Keller has pancreatic cancer. Mm. And he's asking everyone to, you know, just pray. And I think there's so many that are very happy to do it. And if you're hearing this now for the first time, I'm sure you're a little shocked. If you're a fan of Dr. Tim Keller, he's, yeah. uh, he's fortunately, they, they, they caught it kind of asymptomatically. It was they sort of refer to it as an incidental finding. Wow. You know, so it wasn't like he was in misery. They found it and it's, he says, I feel great. Yeah. So if they find it and catch it at that uh, stage, maybe, uh, you know, maybe they can beat it. But that's a serious one. Yeah, that is a serious one. Mm-hmm. So one of the uh, questions for the Monday afternoon mix for Miles Arnold Maxwell today is, um, how do we grow in our love and pleasure for Christ. Do we pleasure in Christ? Do we, do we, is our love for him so strong and our pleasure so great that it, that it pushes down the things of the world and makes the things of the world less enticing, less tempting, less distracting. And I don't know, David, if I, you have a scripture that comes to mind or if you have a thought, um, well, you know, scripture is just, you know, it's, it's rich about, um, you know, the beauty and wonder of God. And, you know, you, you, you start off with, say, like a Psalm 42, 41, 42, and, um, you know, it's like, as a deer pants for flowing streams, mm-hmm. so, so pants my soul for you, O God, my soul you know, my soul, that, that, you know, the Septuagint is, it's suke, suke from which we get psychology, literally the soul, but my soul thirsts for God. And I think this is the reason why God is so pleasurable, why God is so rich, because the psalmist goes on to say, for the living God. And because God is living and God is alive, and it's not just a set of rocks, you know, you know, we're not, you know, it's, they're neat, uh, to look at and um but we're not pilgrimaging to stonehenge we're, we're pilgrimaging to the living god of the universe and then he goes when shall i come and appear before god and it's, it's literally that he's you know i guess if we want to kind of keep it real he's kind of like instead of him being all that in a bag of chips he's like all that in a bag of chips and the factory 
and all the potato fields <laughs> in the very air and yeah. all the dirt in the world. Mm-hmm. That, and even then, that's just like a very small drop in all the oceans of all the water that makes up the universe. Just God is just that complete. Um, and I think it's starting there and realizing um, the richness that we have in God that we don't, you know, we don't need to be groupies of, you know, human beings, you know, because God is the greatest person that you could know, that you could ever know. And he he's not a flash in the pan, meaning like he's not a one hit wonder. We will sing for eternity and we will never plumb the depths of his greatness. Love it. That's the thing that's overwhelming to me is just no matter how much you know about about Jesus, you you've got to get in, you've got to get closer, you've got to know more because you can't. You're only just scratching the surface, and it reminds me of John four when you broached that uh, that question, Bill, um, when Jesus approaches the Samaritan woman Mm -hmm. and. And he says, if you knew the gift of God, because they're talking about mm. a drink. He said, can you ask me for a drink? And she's perplexed by the question, right? And, and he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for this drink, then I would, you would ask him and he would give you living water. And then he goes on to say that you would never thirst again. And that he gives to us the spring of water, the spring of living water. And the concept there is that it's not just like a little bit of trickle or a pond or something like that where it's put there and it stays. It's a static amount, but it continues to flow up. It, it doesn't end. It, it's ever flowing. And that's the, the abundance, I guess, that, that comes to mind when we talk about delighting in the Lord. It comes from... We can, we can see it when we look out at the world, but it also comes from within and the transforming work that God does in us as well. When we know him, when we are in him and united with him in Christ, we have that abundant life. And that's something that, I mean, that ought to make you sing. Yeah. And, and I love that you bring out this passage of John 4, Rebecca, because, you know, here's the story of the Samaritan woman and the Samaritans where, let's just put it this way. Jews would go around Samaria. And so like if they, were, if they were making their pilgrimage or they were making their way down to the Mall of America and they lived up in Chisago Lakes, they literally would go way out to Hudson and swing way around 494, come down past Cottage Grove and Invergrove scenic Heights. Route. And they would go the yep. very scenic route. And so Jesus meets this woman at the well and she's going in the middle of the day because, you know, some would say, oh, she's sketchy, you know, or, or they, because here's a person who'd been married several different times, and the person that she was living with wasn't her spouse. She had experienced great heartbreak, and people need to stop first before they're like, oh, you know, this hor- horrible person and all this other stuff, and she got dogged out, so she'd go in the middle of the day at the heat of the day. But what's really interesting about this, and this is the part I want to get to that you just brought up. When Jesus talks about who she is and says, you know, go get your husband, she then goes and gets, she gets religious. And she says, you know, uh, we've, we've talked about this, that our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus like breaks it down and says, it's not about being religious. It, it, it's, it's, it's so much more. He goes, I'm the living water. And God made it not that just religious exercise is going to satisfy only the living God of the universe who gives the possibility to have a relationship with him satisfies. I like. 
I love this topic, and I th- I'm really glad you went to Psalm 42, David, because that's such a powerful uh, chapter. And in verse 5, it says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So there is a, a remedy for turning your, your mood and your spirit from being downcast into something different. But when we are truly uh, abiding in Christ and delighting in him, I think it would just um, be something that would say there is nothing in this world that will take that place. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things is that C.S. Lewis had once said, it, it, it would seem to be that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but that often they're too weak. And right. he goes on to say, you know, we fool about with drink and food as though this this world, when infinite joy is before us, we are far too easily pleased. And we find ourselves being um, too easily pleased with the with the with the trinkets and with with kind of the, the cotton candy and the, the smarties and the, you know, the Skittles of life. And God's like, I want to sit down and really give you a, a rich relationship. Mm hmm. Let me take a little break. You're listening to the Monday Afternoon Mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. Be back in 90 seconds. We are back with the Monday Afternoon Mix with Miles, Arnold, and Maxwell. David, you're just dancing over there. Yeah, that's the nice thing about being back in studio. We can actually see each other, get that head bob on. It's grooving. It's yes. all happening. It's all happening. I like this topic. I think during the break, we were, Rebecca, you were chatting about feelings versus knowledge, or how did you put that? Yeah, feeling feeling versus knowing. Yeah, um, feeling versus when knowing. When it comes to the delight of the Lord. So yes. that's sort mm-hmm. of how we've been we've been focusing this discussion so far. And I think there are people who say, I want to delight in the Lord. I believe in his promises to me, but I don't feel overjoyed right now. Circumstances are tough. Right. You know, there's a lot going on that, that produce these really negative feelings and it doesn't look like a joyful time in my life. So it, am I doing this wrong? You know, how can I still delight in the Lord if the joyful feelings don't seem to be ready or coming up to the surface right now? Well, one of the things we we find interesting, first of all, feelings are not bad. You know, God's given that to us and emotions are, are, are a delightful thing. Um, part of our history is that we had a time where we had, you know, left-minded Princetonians that did our theology, and somehow we figured out the Holy Spirit wasn't good and that feeling emotions is, is bad. But we can have complex emotions and even have periods of times where they can even seem conflicted. Uh, so with several pastors and other leaders was invited to the George Floyd Memorial um, and one of the things that was amazing in that uh, Pastor Hezekiah Walker came and he sang, you know, songs like every praise is to our God, but you're at a funeral. And part of the African-American experience and in, in history is that the reason why we have soul music is that you had to sing from your soul in the midst of suffering to get through. So even in the midst of suffering, you would sing about the joy and the goodness and the faithfulness and the sovereignty of God. And so... 
sometimes when we're going through times and we're not feeling delight or we're not feeling things, sometimes that's that's okay. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's something wrong with you. Actually, sometimes as deep calls unto deep and God takes you to deeper waters, I had an experience like this one time when I was in college and the Lord was wanting to take me deeper. And I love the word. I love preaching. I love singing. But there was a period of time where I would go to church and like literally I was feeling nothing. And after church, our friends, we'd get together, go out to lunch, and we'd eat for a long period of time, and we'd talk about the Word and dig in. We'd be there until like 3 o'clock in the afternoons. And it was like nothing was hitting me. And in essence, I was talking to a more mature, you know, mature, older believer, and they were even noting, David, God may be weaning you from the external props, meaning will you still trust me even when you don't feel it in the way um, that you think you should be feeling it? If I hold up my left hand, I could I could say like, as my one pastor mentor said to me, he goes, I might not feel like I'm married. He goes, but I can look at my hand and see that I made a pledge and promise uh, to, to my dear wife, Ruthie. So sometimes there will be times in our lives where God will take us deeper, where he's like, will you trust me when all those external props aren't there? And can you delight in me for who I am, even if the accompanying emotions aren't there with it? Well said, by the way. I like that. You know, I think of the delighting in God, delighting in his pleasures. And I think another thing we could talk about in relation to that is this whole idea of surrender. And I know there's a lot of people who've had this thought across their mind. I'd, I, I'm all in with God. I, I want to be a devoted follower. I just really hope that he doesn't send me to, you know, this weird part of the world, this remote rural part of the world where I don't want to go. So you're, you're kind of half in and half out. You're saying you want to be a follower, but I just don't want to be asked to go do something that I think in my heart I would not o- be happy Only doing. if following you takes me where I want to go. Yes, right. uh, yes. I have never had that thought, and I don't know what you're talking okay, about. Okay, good. Stop looking at me. <laughs> Well, then, you know, Bill, you and I are by ourselves up in the studio. We'll handle it on our own. <laughs> Rebecca, you're out. <laughs> but hasn't that happened to people where they go, I, I'm a follower of, of Jesus, but then all of a sudden God calls you to do something and you're not sure you want to do it. Do you want to be uh, sacrificing your, your time and your money and your energy for the Lord? Or are you kind of holding those in reserve for yourself? Mm. Well, well, one of the things that we sometimes forget is that we may all, at some point in our life, go through a Jeremiah 20, verse 6 through 9. And so Jeremiah 20, uh, a lot of people um, know and maybe heard like old, you know, Southern gospel and stuff, and they'd sing about, you know, it's like fire shut up in my bones. It's like, you know, that verse, like fire shut up in my bones, and they'd sing it, and they'd stomp, and they'd clap their hands. But the context isn't as pretty. And verse 7 actually goes, O Lord, you deceived me and I was deceived. You are stronger than I and you have prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all the day. Everyone mocks me. For whenever I cry and whenever I speak, I shout violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and a derision all day long. And it's like... God had called Jeremiah to preach. He's like, listen, I knew you in your mother's womb. I called you to preach. Listen, I'm going to put this word in your mouth. You're going to have this. But he ends up being called the weeping prophet. 
And so he's sitting here like, God, you told me this, and this is like really a hot mess. And this is when verse 9 comes in. He says, if I say, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart as if it were a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. That's the context of that. It's like fire shut up in my bone. It's like, like, hey, every, it wasn't, everything was great. It's like, no, God, you told me to go here. This is horrible. But at the same time, he, you find that Jeremiah was faithful to the Lord even in the midst of that. And his word now encourages us through Scripture in deep and rich ways for those who are in places of dark, dark places and say, no one understands this. God really understand. Well, you can turn to Lamentation. You can turn to Jeremiah. And you can just look at the cross. And God says, yes, I understand. Awesome. Listener asked this question, when do feelings take you away from God? When do feelings become a liability within your relationship with God? At what point do feelings turn from being a good thing or even something that does not define you, and then it greatly rolls over and becomes a monster that starts to, starts to define you. How do you conquer that with Christ? How do you delight in God's pleasures when you don't even feel like going there? Hmm. Well, one of the things is we talk about walking with Jesus and, and life, it, us being disciples. I mean, it's like, go therefore and make disciples who are baptizing, following, teaching, walking with me. Um, When we get out from underneath um, God's authority and rule in our life, that's when we're in trouble. So Jesus is both our Savior, but he's also our Lord. And so when we allow our emotions to be held underneath his loving and perfect sway, that's when it's good. You know, and the idea that Jesus can be your savior and not your Lord is like me saying, Rebecca, you know, if you can only pick one of the two to live with, which would you pick, air or water? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Good question. Can't get back to you on that. Right. Right. You need them both. Exactly. And in the same way, we need Jesus to be Lord and Savior. If he's Savior, but he lacks the authority as Lord to actually save us, then, you know, what are, what are we trusting in? So then when our emotions, when our feelings live in submission to him and to his word, that's why the psalmist says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So you might be feeling like, you know what, all of culture just says it's okay just to do X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to do that. But God is like, no, my word which guides you, which is basic instructions before leaving earth, Bible, and it says to you, this is the direction where life is for you to go, then your emotions take a second seat because God has made something richer and more fulfilling in himself for mm-hmm. you. David, I think this uh, particular listener, and we, we have a heart for, for her because she shows up with this comment regularly mm-hmm. about feeling God's uh, pleasure and trying to wanting to, but not feeling certain. So would you uh, pray for her and others like her that are, are feeling distant? They don't, f- they don't feel God's pleasure. Yeah. Heavenly father, I just want to thank you so much for those who you love in this listening audience 
And Lord, even the reality of your grace and mercy and love is that you provided this medium through these airways in order to speak and minister to us. Jesus, uh, your word says that he who has a son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. I've written these things that you might know, not that you might guess, not that you have to get up each morning and throw dice, but that you might know that you have eternal life and it's in the son. And the very fact that today, today is June 9th, 2020, A.D., year of the Lord, it shows your faithfulness that even time submits to you, even our calendar submits to you. And so in the surety and faith of who you are, I pray that you would speak deeply into the heart of my dear sister and my dear brother and that dear parent and grandparent and child, that they would understand that you delight in them. You delight enough to send your son to shed his eternal blood that they might have life in your name. And God, you don't want them just to kind of stumble along, just as we don't want to drag our children through the mud and dirt, but you want them to walk in a relationship of love with you. So dear God, I pray that you'd speak to the heart and that you bring your assurance of your goodness. And when in doubt, we just look to the cross. Thank you, David Miles. You've been listening to the Monday Afternoon Mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. Coming up in the next hour, Gregory Wrightstone, who's a geologist who's been investigating the Earth's processes for more than 35 years. That's going to be my guest. Get your questions ready. Send them over to 877-93-FAITH. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.